On this episode of The Layover Live, we're talking links with Paul McLeod. Hey man, Merry Christmas. Where did you get this? Uh, they have like a charity thing for kids who don't have enough gifts over there and it seemed like they had enough, so there you go. Wow. everyone and welcome to episode 8 of The Layover Live where we bring you the top article from The Layover each week. I'm Jason Swick, Director of Digital Marketing and I'm joined by uh, Director of Business Intelligence, Paul McLeod. So Paul, welcome. Thank you so much for the gift, by the way. You're welcome, nice man. you this, this, this holiday season. I figured it was finally at the point in our relationship where you needed to receive a gift from me. For well, that's great. It was, I mean, it was really what I was looking for. So yeah. that's great. That's awesome. So thank you so much. So we, Paul, we've got you here today. We're going to talk links. Uh, more particular disavow links and what to disavow and not disavow. Great article that came out uh, from Majestic, uh, which uh, really offers some great articles and topics on as they relate to search engine optimization. And this is a topic that comes up quite a bit, right? I remember even uh, being at PubCon this year uh, last month and, and going to uh, a session with Gary Ilias from Google and there was a big discussion around disavow, when should we be using the tool, when we shouldn't be using the tool. So maybe mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that and get people up to speed on disavow. Yeah, so uh, disavowing links is a thing that Google introduced about uh, five years ago. I think, I think I was actually at the PubCon where Matt Cutts announced the tool. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. Sent there by SimpleView. Um, anyway, uh, so the deal with disavowing links is, um, as you may know, uh, if you know much about SEO, links are really important for getting rankings, um, and high quality links help you get more rankings. Um, conversely, uh, low quality links uh, hurt your rankings. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason for that is that uh, because Google does use links as a signal of quality, uh, people realize there's money in having links, so they started buying them and they started selling them, and that sort of ruins it all for Google. And so they started penalizing people for having bad links, particularly uh, links that looked like they were manipulated to get rankings. Um, so, uh, so maybe, so maybe, so maybe tell us then what what differentiates a good, give me an example maybe of, of what what a bad link might be yeah it looks like, and then maybe what a good link might look. So like. So one is paid. Um, okay. If it's pretty clear to the search engines that this link is not there naturally, but mm -hmm. is there because somebody paid to have it there. Um, which can be uh, site-wide links and a footer that, okay. you know, don't be afraid of site-wide links, but if you're, uh, if that's one possible signal to them. Mm -hmm. um, if they have keyword text that's too on point, um, you know, so like you might, occasionally if you're looking at sort of an older site, you might see something that says like, SEO services, in, like, you know, this site was optimized by a company that provides uh, in and link text as SEO services in Phoenix or something like that. Ah. And you see that on every page of the footer of a big forum, like, that's mm -hmm. that's kind of a dead giveaway. When like, okay. Basically, when it's too good to be true, as far as a link goes, the search engines are like, yeah, it's not true. Um, so, uh, if you've got, and then you can also have other problems. Uh, if it's just a uh, poor quality site, mm -hmm. um, that's not great, um, but that's true of your own content too. Very true. Um, if it's a link from outside your language, um, sometimes, on honestly, the most uh, common links we disavow are ones from Russian sites, uh, sites that end in .ru, um, which basically none of our clients, uh, a few of them, but basically none of our clients would expect to be getting a lot of Russian sure, links. Sure. So when we see those, that's a red flag. Um, and also, you know, if you go look at the site that's linking to you and it's uh, full of, you know, ads for, you know, uh, non or, you know, prescription drugs or something like that, uh, various spam topics like that, it's not great. So imagine the problem though here. Um, if Google is starting to penalize people for having bad links because they want to discourage you from manipulating the rankings, mm -hmm. um, what's the loophole that I might uh, take advantage of if I'm a competitor of yours? 
Yeah, it's a good question. You might, uh, I might buy a bunch of bad links and point them at your site, so there I can you pass you in the rankings. yeah. So, so yeah, it's kind of a, a I guess like a, a black hat tactic. Totally to totally take down your competitors. Exactly. That's and that's that's a good point to make there. Yeah. So the thing is, if I'm a webmaster and I want to protect myself from that, I basically have no recourse. Uh, somebody can go and buy a million terrible links very cheaply <laughs> and kill my rankings because then it looks like I've been manipulating things. So what Google introduced was the disavow tool. Okay. And what that does is it gives you a place to put in a list of links that are pointing to your site that you want to tell them like look I don't have any control over this I'm sorry don't count it against me yep and as long as you they do technically want you to put in some effort to get them just removed by the webmaster uh, the standard for a while I haven't checked in a while it might still be this it was to have three rounds of communication of asking the guy like please just take these links down before mm -hmm. they would uh, accept the disavows but generally you can just disavow them and get away with it um, as long as you're not doing it on mass. Okay. Yeah. And then how often should if someone who's doing SEO be looking at this kind of thing? Is this like a monthly thing to look at? Quarterly? Should be looking at it once a year? I think, you know, if you're uh, in an industry where you're not expecting a lot of negative attacks, which honestly, I had none of our DMO clients have ever mm -hmm. had such a thing happen to them that I know of. Um, Quarterly is fine. That's okay. what we do for our standard SEO services. Um, you know, we usually, when we do these checks, we find two to five links, uh, honestly they probably aren't causing a huge problem, but it's good to stay on top of okay. and just make sure that it doesn't build up and create an issue over time. Okay. So again, something to look at quarter quarterly, have your SEO team do it or doing it in-house. Mm -hmm. Important is it's part of that, that SEO ranking factor, which uh, since it makes up over 50% of a DMO's average traffic is coming from organic, something at least as part of that puzzle to try to keep an eye on as you're moving forward. So Absolutely. as we're talking about you know, SEO tactics, talking about traffic and, and things of that nature, brings us to our question of the day. Our question of the day comes from Kay, who's at Daytona Beach, and Kay is asking, what are the pros and cons of excluding your local market from digital marketing? So I got some thoughts on, on paid, but Paul, why don't you talk about it on the organic side? Yeah, so in a sense, you can't actually uh, exclude your local market from your SEO. Um, the thing is, if you're, uh, the kinds of keywords that you need to be optimizing for as a DMO are going to have your destination name in them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people do want to go for really broad ones like wedding destination or something like that, but right. there's actually not as much traffic as you think. Uh, typically, something like Tucson weddings will have way more traffic than just wedding destination. Yep. Um, so if you're optimizing for your city name plus your various tours and topics, you know, restaurants, hotels, whatever, um, you're just naturally going to get rankings for local things too. Uh, an interesting point to add to this is uh, people often ask us, how do I optimize for uh, near me searches, like restaurants near me, mm -hmm. hotels near me? Yep. Basically the answer is by optimizing for your city name. And that way when people are in your city, Google gets that phrase near me and they say, okay, where is this person? Yep. And then they just sort of translate that into the city name of the city you're into. And so um, sort of ranking for, uh, sort of optimizing for those and the city name at the same time, which is nice. Um, so from an SEO perspective, uh, it's, there's no way really to exclude yourself from local rankings, and it's good uh, to be in them, I think. Um, a, a lot of your visitors are gonna search for you uh, for relevant topics while they're in the destination, Very true. Um, and you wanna be there for them. And B, uh, even if it's just locals checking it out, um, getting in front of them can be good in that it helps inspire, having your site might inspire them to uh, 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 encourage people to come to the destination, and uh, also be a resource they can share with people when they're asking like, hey, what's cool in your town? I'm coming to visit. Right. Um, it's just a great way to get your name out there. Right, and, and really some of the same reasons you mentioned there are some of the same reasons that it makes sense on the paid side, right? One uh, example, and it really depends on strategy, but really separating your campaigns out so you've got to focus on 
you know, your drive markets, your fly markets, having those in separate campaigns, maybe parsing out then and creating separate campaigns that are targeted only to local, maybe doing a heavier bid adjustment for mobile, assuming that a lot of travelers who are coming to your destination are probably searching more on their mobile devices mm -hmm. rather than a laptop or a desktop device. And again, that, that makes DMOs more relevant because it becomes a useful tool for travelers why they're in your destination. And then again, if it's good for locals, locals are using it, it's amplifying some of your events in the area, those are things that will pop up through social media or maybe user-generated content that inspires some of those travelers to come and participate in those type of things. So, uh, great question, Kay, on that side. Um, I think there's pros and cons to both, but if anything, being a useful resource for a DMO, for travelers while they're planning their trips, but then also being a useful tool while they're in market, I think is a good strategy and something to keep an eye on. So thank you so much. That brings us to the end of this episode. Please submit your questions each and every week. We'd love to hear from you and answer those on the air. And we'll see you next time.